0: Hello, welcome to Women and Faith. My name is Stephanie Schwartz, and I'm the host of Women and Faith, a podcast to help women trust and obey God by knowing and applying His Word. We are currently working through A.W. Tozer's classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy. We're at Chapter 11 The Wisdom of God. When I think of wisdom, I typically think of King Solomon in the Old Testament. 1 Kings 3 reveals that Solomon had a dream, and in that dream, God said to him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon asked God not for wealth or power or fame, but for wisdom. 1 Kings 3.9 records that Solomon replied to God's question with, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? Well, God responded to Solomon's request, and according to First Kings 3.12, God said, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. Immediately after this passage, 1 Kings three sixteen through 28 reveals this wisdom of Solomon as he was faced with an incredibly difficult decision. Two prostitutes who lived in the same house came before him for justice. Both women gave birth to their children around the same time, but one of the children died in the night. Well, let's read what happened according to 1 Kings 3, 16-22. Verse 16 begins, Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house, only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me, while your servant slept, and laid him at her breast, and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Wow, what would Solomon do? Well, 1 Kings 3, 23-28 reveals that Solomon asked for a sword to divide the child in two one half for each mother. Immediately, the real mother said, no, let her keep the baby, while the one who was lying said, that's fine, let's divide him. Solomon then ordered that the child be given to the actual mother, the one who would rather have him alive with the wrong mother than dead. And First Kings 3.28 concludes with, All Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Well, we all want to be wise. I would love to be as wise as Solomon. This kind of wisdom is from God. The scripture teaches that God is wise. God doesn't learn wisdom. He is wisdom. Daniel chapter 2 verses 20 through 22 records, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. When we say that God is wise, it may mean more than we actually realize because we have to remember that God is perfectly wise. He cannot be any wiser than he is. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 16:27 to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore throughout Jesus Christ. Now, Tozer writes, in the Holy Scriptures, wisdom, when used of God and good men, always carries a strong moral connotation. It is conceived as being pure, loving, and good. God's wisdom is always good. There is a wisdom of the world or a wisdom of shrewdness, but that's not the wisdom of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. Atozer goes on to write, All God's acts are done in perfect wisdom, first for His own glory, and then for the highest good of the greatest number for the longest time. And all his acts are as pure as they are wise and as good as they are wise and pure. Not only could his acts not be better done, a better way to do them could not be imagined. An infinitely wise God must work in a manner not to be improved upon by finite creatures. It has been said that God can't be infinitely wise in a world that is so wrong. But the scripture points out that the wrongness of the world is not due to any lack of wisdom on God's part, but instead it's due to the sinfulness of sin. Romans 8, 20 and 21 says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So, even though things are currently not as they should be, they won't always be this way. Tozer writes, When the hour of Christ's triumph arrives— the suffering world will be brought out into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. For men of the new creation, the golden age is not past, but future. And when it is ushered in, a wandering universe will see that God has indeed abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. In the meantime, We rest our hope in the only wise God, our Savior, and wait with patience the slow development of his benign purposes. Tozer adds, in spite of tears and pain and death, we believe that the God who made us all is infinitely wise and good. And then he goes on, the testimony of faith is that no matter how things look in this fallen world, all God's acts are wrought in perfect wisdom. Concerning some of these acts of God's perfect wisdom that Tozer refers to, we clearly see these in the incarnation of the Son of God and the atonement he provides for humanity. Tozer writes, Indeed, I wonder whether God could make us understand all that happened there at the cross. According to the Apostle Peter, not even angels know, however eagerly they may desire to look into these things. And Tozer adds, the operation of the gospel, the new birth, the coming of the divine spirit into human nature, the ultimate overthrow of evil, and the final establishment of Christ's righteous kingdom. He tells us that all these are part of God's infinite wisdom. So, concerning our fear and worry and anxiety and our Battle against those. Tozer writes It is vitally important that we hold the truth of God's infinite wisdom as a tenet of our creed. But this is not enough. We must, by the exercise of faith and by prayer, bring it into the practical world of our day by day experience. He goes on Most of us go through life praying a little planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never being quite certain of anything, and always secretly afraid that we will miss the way. This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. There is a better way. It is to repudiate our own wisdom and take instead the infinite wisdom of God. Our insistence upon seeing ahead is natural enough, but it is a real hindrance to our spiritual progress. God has charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn in faith to him. And then Tozer says, God constantly encourages us to trust him in the dark. He adds, it is heartening to learn how many of God's mighty deeds were done in secret, away from the prying eyes of men or angels. When God created the heavens and the earth, darkness was upon the face of the deep. When the eternal son became flesh, he was carried for a time in the darkness of the sweet virgin's womb. When he died for the life of the world, it was in the darkness, seen by no one at the last. When he arose from the dead, it was very early in the morning. No one saw him rise. It is as if God were saying, what I am is all that need matter to you. For there lie your hope and your peace. I will do what I will do, and it will all come to light at last. But how I do it is my secret. Trust me and be not afraid. We can know the one who knows all the whys. And so we can be at peace even when we don't know why. That reminds me of the great missionary Amy Carmichael's statement, In acceptance lieth peace. Sometimes peace only comes when we're ready just to accept things the way that they are. Well, next time we'll walk through chapter 12, the omnipotence of God. But until then, let's remember, God is perfectly wise. He knows exactly what he's doing. And we must choose to believe that he is better able to manage our lives than we are. Matthew six thirty four, Jesus said, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus asks us to keep our focus on what he's called us to do today, this very day. And I bet we can all do that and do better at doing that. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and please feel free to email me wf at compasschurch.org with any questions or comments that you might have and I look forward to meeting with you next time.